different kinds of moms because we want God to bless everyone. So, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we pray together as a church family this Mother's Day. We pray knowing that this day is a wonderful day of celebration and joy for some and a difficult and painful day for others. So in the spirit of Romans 12, 15, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, we offer this prayer. Please bless all the mothers who are raising their children. Give them sleep and sweet moments and patience and the wisdom of Solomon. Please bless the mothers who parent alone, who do all the things that other parents do, but without a partner to share the load. May they know they are never alone. Let them sense your nearness. Please bless all the mothers of children with special needs and particular challenges. Give them wisdom and the resources to help their child thrive to the very best of their abilities. Comfort mothers who are anxious about their children's future and bring them other mothers who understand and can support them and be a friend to them. Lord, please bless adoptive, foster, and stepmothers who are caring for a child who is not born to them. May they know that they were chosen for this and that you will supply all their needs. We also pray for the mothers who have lovingly placed their children in the care of another. Comfort their hearts and hold them close. Please bless mothers with an empty nest. Give them the satisfaction of knowing they've raised their children well. We pray release of any guilt or regrets as they look back on the years. And we pray that they'd find great joy in this season. Lord, please bless women who long to be mothers, but for many different reasons, maybe unable to have a child. May they know that you, God, see every tear and every longing in their hearts and comfort them in their sadness. Please bless the women who have lost children, for whom Mother's Day is a sad reminder of happier days. Help them to cry when the tears come, but also to laugh with the many fun memories that are there as well. Help them to remember the joys more than the pain. Lord, please bless women whose children are estranged or separated from them and who are not a part of their families at this time. May you do a powerful reconciling work in all of our families. Bring forgiveness and restoration, heal guilt and regret, and replace them with hope. Please bless those who are estranged from their own mothers who had harsh and unloving mothers or who have suffered abuse and neglect at the hands of their own mother. Help them as they may find it hard to celebrate this day. Help them to forgive and to be healed from their past. We pray for the miracle of reconciliation. Please bless all the grandmothers here. Give them special energy in these later years to love and enjoy their little ones. May they bring the wisdom that they have to caring for these children and may they encourage their own children on their parenting journey. And finally, Lord, Please bless our own mothers who were there for us and raised us well. Thank you for their love, which began the moment they knew we were there and continues long into our own adulthood. Affirm them and let them know that they are loved and help us to be good sons and daughters and love them well. Thank you also for the spiritual mothers who have prayed for us and who have helped us grow in faith. Amen. Ladies, this day is for all of you. (laughs) Um, We want to recognize the deep love that God puts in all women. So um, we pray for all of the mothers in this room and all of the mothers that we know and all of the women that we know. May be honored and loved well today, and may we rise up and call you blessed. I really love that prayer. I felt like in Mother's Day's past, you know, we want to give a nod to the fact that this can be a complicated holiday with some complex emotions, but um, I saw this. This was actually shared um, from uh, another, a friend of ours in the vineyard in um, North Carolina, and I just thought, ah, oh, somebody took the time to really make a comprehensive list and covered all, and I just thought that was really beautiful because I think that even those of us who may have a great relationship with our mother or a great relationship with our children, we feel some of the tension of our broken world in every relationship, right? 
So today we're going to talk about being a community of hope and talking about our, um, our vision for our church, community of faith, hope, and love. And um, we talked about community two weeks ago, and last week Josh preached on faith. Next week we'll talk about love, but today we're going to talk about hope. Something that we repeat often is that the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. So um, what does that actually mean? Um, I thought it might be nice just to look at the actual verses, like where we take this from, how we know this from Jesus. So we're going to kind of like speed read through some Bible passages today, okay? So we're going to start with Luke 17, 20, and 21. Uh, Once again, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. This is an already passage. The kingdom is already here. It's not something that we'll see with like a person sitting in a seat, but it's just uh, the perfect reign and rule of God is something that we can experience even now. In Matthew 4, verse 23, um, says this, And Jesus went about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness among the people. Healing is something that happens when the kingdom is here. And sometimes the kingdom is here. It happens now. In Mark um, chapter 1, 14 and 15, Now after John was delivered up, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe in the gospel. That's from the ASV 1901. I'm not sure why I got the ASV in there, but repent ye, (laughs) because the kingdom of here is here. I don't think we have enough yees, do we? This is good to get back to uh, some some, Christian roots there. Um, But the kingdom of God is at hand. It's available to us. God's perfect rule and perfect reign is something that can happen even now. However, it's not the whole story, right? Because then Jesus says some other stuff. While they were listening to this, he, Jesus, went on to tell them a parable. He was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God um, was going to appear at once. So, like, he's teaching them, and they're headed toward Jerusalem, and he's talking about the kingdom of God, and so everybody's like, is it about to happen, like, right now, Jesus? Um, And it it doesn't. Like, that's not what happens in that story. In Acts 1, 6 through 7, then they gathered around him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, hmm? Here you go. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So, like, no, and you don't even get to know. Like, <laughs> right? Like, that's kind of like, wow, oh, wow, Jesus, okay. Um, and then in Matthew 13, 47, 49, once again, the kingdom of heaven is, was, uh, is like a net that was let down in the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore. And they sat down and collected good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. So we have verse after verse where Jesus gives us a lot of different information about the kingdom of God. And sometimes it's at hand, it's near, sometimes it's delayed, sometimes it's coming. Um, and sometimes like people are getting killed and it's like it is happening right now. But not always. It's not always happening right now. And so we use this kind of chart to help us understand, like just to visualize what Jesus is referring to. And so there's this current age, and this is the kingdom of darkness. So this started, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit that they weren't supposed to. And 
um, the, we, we fell from grace, right? Like the world got broken that day, and that became um, the, the spirit of the age. Like this was a dark time. So we had our fall. And then Jesus came back as a baby. We read about in Scripture. He grew up. He had a, a ministry as an adult. And this began the age to come, the kingdom of light. But continued, like the kingdom of darkness didn't all go away right then. Jesus did not take over Rome. Jesus did not become the political leader of the world. Um, Jesus did not end all of sickness, all of hunger, all of pain in those moments. Um, he himself died and was raised from the dead. And so now we live in this already not time, this kind of overlapping of ages. When Jesus comes again at the end of our time, he restores a new Jerusalem, new heaven and a new earth. That will be only the kingdom of light. Kingdom of darkness will be destroyed. And we, uh, we get to make our home in eternity. And that will be a time where there are no tears. In fact, the Bible says God will remove even our, uh, like our tear ducts, like our capacity to cry will go away because we just won't need it anymore. Um, a point that Josh made last week I think it's really beautiful is, you know, in the Bible it says faith, hope, and love remain, and the greatest of these is love, because when the fullness of time comes, we actually won't need to hope anymore because all of our hopes will have been fulfilled. There won't be anything that we're missing, but we'll be completely full. We won't, we won't require faith at that time either because we'll be able to see everything. We'll know everything in full, but we'll still love each other. So this overlapping of ages is something that I found incredibly helpful um, when I first started coming to the vineyard. Um, this was way back in the early 2000s. Josh and I, you know, we were like, you know, really excited about church, and we just got married, and it was a mission for our life, and we think we're called to ministry, and so we took a bunch of classes. The vineyard used to have a leadership institute, and um, this is how old the classes were. I think I said, I talked about this recently, I can't remember if it was on stage here or with the kids, but they like mailed DVDs to us, <laughs> and we would watch the DVD, and that was like cutting edge, right, because it was an upgrade from VHS. Um, there was no streaming. We did not get online. And, um, and one of the courses was a pastor from South Africa, a vineyard pastor named Derek Morphew, the theologian. And he talked about this chart and saying the kingdom is both now and not yet. And I found that to be incredibly hopeful and really explained some things to me because while the kingdom is both now and not yet, the kingdom of God has perfect reign and rule. It's coming, it's happening, it's delayed, it will happen. Um, that also means that I am a now and not yet kingdom citizen. And that came as like a really big relief. Um, some of you may have heard this story before, the story of my salvation. I got saved as a little girl. I was five years old and I like went forward and um, uh, the, the girl who went forward before me, like a nice older lady, like took her by the hand and took her to some other place in the church and explained the gospel, and um, then I went forward, and a very tall man came and took me by hand and explained the gospel to me, and he was, uh, it, it should have been super intimidating, right? But, um, but it wasn't, like he, uh, he was going through the verses, what I now know are the Romans road, and just explaining everyone has fallen short, everyone has sinned, but Jesus paid the price for all of us, and God just started speaking to my heart, and I started to cry. And, um, and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and it was really wonderful. And then church ended, and my little friend from Sunday school came over to see me. And I was, like, weeping, like, I've never cried like this before. This is the most intense experience, like, emotions I've ever had in my five-year-old life. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, I lost my purse. <laughs> because I don't know how to say, like, 
my heart is on fire and I'm so sorry for my sin and I just need to be so close to God and, and I didn't have that before and now I get to have that because Jesus did a thing, I think. So I just lied <laughs> boldly because I had brought a purse in with me that day and I had left it in the Sunday school room and I didn't have my purse and that seemed like a reasonable coping mechanism for like, oh, my purse is gone. That's why I'm really upset. She seemed a little surprised. She took me by the elbow. I remember she like linked arms with me, walked me back to the Sunday school room. She gave me my purse and was like, here, you're better now, right? And I'm still kind of like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I think she was probably really confused. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll meet that girl again and I can be like, I'm, I was, it was Jesus. It wasn't my purse. But, um, <laughs> but the first thing I did as a, the first thing I did as a saved person, like the very first words out of my mouth, Jesus, yes, Lord, I submit to you, I give my life to you. Lie, 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 I lost my purse. <laughs> And then I was kind of bothered me a little bit, you know, because like you have this idea, right, when you're a brand new Christian of like, I just got saved, so now I'm going to be perfect, right? <laughs> like the world is set back to rights and everything is good, and uh, it wasn't for me. And so when Derek Morphew said, I'm a now and not yet kingdom citizen, I thought, yes, that is what it is. Like I'm fully giving myself over to Jesus, and I'm fully giving myself over to Jesus, and I will fully give myself over to Jesus. And also sometimes I lie about my purse. <laughs> like this is just, this is my human experience. This is who I am. Bringing Jesus into, uh, as a reference point for my life, where he's just like consistently good all the time, right? 100 out of 100 stars. He has a perfect A at all of life. He didn't make a single mistake. When I, when, I, when I have him as a reference against my own life, I notice that my life is just like this roller coaster of up and downs underneath, right? Like I make some good choices, maybe never perfect choices, never for very long. I make bad choices. And then also the world is on this roller coaster, right? Like these good things are happening to me and bad things are happening to me. And I'm experiencing just like this really complex mix of the kingdom is now and the kingdom is not yet. I find so much hope in that. <laughs> I find so much hope in that explanation or that picture of my human experience. Um, it, I don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus, even as a saved person. The expectation is not that I'm going to be perfect. Jesus knows I'm going to I'm going to miss it, and He puts all these valves and you know like apologies and forgiveness and mercy and grace and all these little <laughs> levers we have to has to pull on my behalf to like stay close to God because I just keep messing things up or I respond to a broken world that's hurting me and maybe I respond wrong um, or maybe I respond beautifully like sometimes I get it not always but having that having a God who understands that complexity having Jesus who says the kingdom is here the kingdom is coming the kingdom is delayed the kingdom has arrived like I just find that to be so real if um, if maybe confusing or, or difficult to understand we need to be able to hope in the kingdom that's to come. And being able to get kind of a taste of the future in the present, I think is one, of the, one, one key way that God can fill us with a hope that can stay with us through the times that are really dark. Um, it's Mother's Day today, so I, I feel like there's almost like some obligation I have to share a birth story, but I promise I won't get too graphic, okay? Um, when I had my first son, uh, Josh and I found out that we were pregnant on New Year's Day, which if you know me very well, like New Year's Day is my most favorite holiday. Like New Year resolutions and checklists 
Every New Year's Day, I'm going to be perfect. New Year's Eve, you've probably never seen me at a New Year's Eve party because I go to bed at 9 p.m. Because I wake up at 5 a.m. and I work out and I eat vegetables for breakfast. Every New Year's Day, I never get further than like maybe January 5th. I think I got like four days of vegetables for breakfast in one year. Um, but I just, that fresh start, it just makes me so happy. And so, um, so Josh and I, uh, I think one of the... <laughs> One of the last New Year's parties we went to actually was was the night before we found out we were pregnant because I was around some friends and somebody shared that they were pregnant. And I thought like, oh, that's what's happening because I was having like weird crampy things. We'd been trying to get pregnant for like six months and we just kept getting disappointed. And so we'd kind of like said, oh, never mind. Let's just leave it alone for a while because something's wrong and I don't, I'm not ready to go see doctors. And, um, and then the, and, and on, on New Year's Eve, I remember thinking like, <gasps> and so we went home early so I could get to bed early. And then the next morning, um, I, I peed on the stick and um, there's uh, my first son. That's the first exact, like, sureness that I knew that he was going to be in the world. And it was wonderful. I mean, like, like one of the best days of my life. And um, then if, like a few weeks go by and, you know, you have to start figuring out like, doctors and how much it's going to cost and all this stuff. And um, w- one thing that became apparent to me very quickly was that while I had maternity insurance as a part of my health insurance, it was very, very bad. It was very bad. Um, I didn't know anything about maternity insurance when we like made decisions about health insurance. And I remember sitting on my bed, and I had all of these papers strewn all around me where I was like, reading all the fine print and all this stuff. And I'd have like, six phone calls with like a doctor and a hospital and the insurance company and the hospital again, the insurance company again, just back and forth and back and forth, and, like, we were doomed. Like, the maternity insurance maybe would cover the doctor, but the hospital was going to be, like, $10,000 or $20,000, and nobody knows, and nobody's willing to say how much it'll really cost because they're like, maybe things will be horrible, and it'll be hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And I just, and, like, my, and the insurance company was so unhelpful, and I was just so completely overwhelmed and feeling like this is proof that I should not be a mother. I don't even know how to buy good health insurance, you know? Like, how am I going to feed someone? I can't even bring them into the world. I can't even cover that bill. I can't even buy insurance for them to cover the bill. And I was like, like the not yet of the kingdom was really coming close, right? Like I was just feeling small and stupid, you know, and incapable, and I remember in that moment, I said, God, what do I do? And I felt like God, just like with so much confidence and clarity, said, you're going to look back on this day, and you're going to know that this was the best day of this pregnancy. This is the best thing that could happen. And that seemed really weird. How could the best thing that could happen be that I find out that my health insurance company is going to not pay for all of the medical bills that I was going to have. But it was so real that I just took it on faith and, like, I felt better, which is weird, right? Um, yeah, it was very strange. So then we started looking into other options, and I talked to a friend of mine who'd had a midwife, and we ended up having bolts with a midnight, with a midwife, for the help of a, two midwives, actually, with the help of a midwife at home. In our, like, rented apartment, we can drive by it sometimes and be like, that's where you were born, kid, um, which maybe seems a little bit, that's, like, a little weird, you know? Like, it's definitely, like, not one of the fancy things we do, but it's kind of, like, cool and fun. Like, here's the folk history of our family. <laughs> um, 
And, um, but my midwife is amazing. I still love her the most of anybody to this day. Like, oh, her name's Mary, and she's just fantastic. I just love her so much. And, um, and she took a lot of time with us, and we prepared, and we did all the things that you do. And the day that Bolt was born, um, and again, I'll try not to give you too many details, but essentially, um, he got stuck, like, partway out. Like, he had put his little hand up by his head, and very stubbornly wouldn't move it, and like that really gets in the way of being able to like get the baby born. And it should have been scary. I look back on this and I say, this should have been really scary. But Mary, my midwife, was really calm. She knew lots of different things we could do. Sit this way, here's this position, let's do this, let's do this. And also, she really lent me her strength. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe as a mom you've lent your strength to a child, or as a parent you've done that. Maybe you've had a friend lend you their strength, where like, you know, this happens with, like, our kids are taking music lessons right now. I often lend both my self-discipline for him to practice bass. I'll sit with him. I'll write down what he has to practice. I'll keep us on track. Because he's 10. He doesn't know how to make a plan to practice his instrument. Like, you know, he just needs a little bit of help. But we get going, and it gets fun. And at this point now, I can, like, step away halfway through, and he finishes on his own, and he's, like, becoming a bass player. It's very cool. Um, Mary did that for me. She really lent me her strength. Like, just very, like, she just stayed calm and capable, and she made me believe that I was calm and capable. And um, even with this complication, um, Bolt was born, and the first couple of moments were really scary. Um, so when a baby is born, they give the child what's called an APGAR score. It measures five things. You get two points for everything, and a 10 is like a perfect baby. Nobody really gets a 10. Most people get like a seven. It's like, is your baby breathing? Do they have a pulse? Do they respond? Are they crying? That kind of stuff. And, um, and my son's APGAR score after this very harrowing like, delivery was one. Like zero is a stillbirth baby. And Bolt had one point. He wasn't breathing and he was blue and he wasn't crying or making any facial expressions and his, his muscles weren't responsive at all. He was really floppy, but he did have a very weak pulse. And my midwives gave him oxygen. And you'd think that that would have been awful, right? Like, shouldn't that have been, like, a terrible, terrifying moment? But, like, God was just in the room. It was like his hope and his comfort just, like, settled on all of us like this blanket. And we said, Holy Spirit, come, make our baby breathe. And it wasn't even, like, a scared, terrified, desperate, like, God, make my baby breathe. It was just like, God, it's time. You need to make Bolt breathe. It's time for him to breathe. So will you come? And make him breathe. And Bolt, I remember he opened his eyes first, and then he took a breath, and then he started crying, and then we didn't have any problems after that at all. It was amazing. It was, it was, it was wonderful, and it was magical, and it was, it was just this kind of thing that, like, it should have been this awful, stressful, like, the kingdom is not yet moment, but the kingdom was there. It was very now. And our vulnerable bodies, we just did the best that we could, and my child lived, and it was really, really beautiful. That's not to knock doctors and hospitals. I had my second son in a hospital, so if you had your babies with epidurals and doctors and C-sections and all those things are so good too, like this isn't any kind of a competition. Let us all be friends and on each other's side and rooting for each other on Mother's Day. But I say that just to say, like, the now and the not yet of the kingdom, like, God can respond to the brokenness of our world by making it better and by fixing it. In fact, our God is so good that he can take the broken thing, my really lame, shoddy health insurance money, and he can use that to put me on a path 
that I, I believe in this case saved my child's life. We talked to Mary a couple days later, and, and everything was going really well with our babies, super healthy, and we said, like, did we really, like, did we take some terrible risk here? Like, were we stupid not to be in a hospital? Like, should we have been in a hospital, you know? Like, are, are we, like, kind of looking for, like, how do we even process this, you know? And she said, well, um, she's, she's always very kind and generous to doctors and hospitals. She said, you know, in a, in a hospital setting, um, your doctor may or may not have had the same experience that I had with this particular problem. There's not a machine that can help with this problem. Like at this point, it would have been too late for a C-section. They probably would have saved your life. I don't know about your son. I've seen it go the opposite way when I was a doula in a hospital with a doctor with a similar situation. And that was that moment when I thought, thank God for that bad health insurance. Like this was the best day of my pregnancy. I believe that the day that put us on the path that meant that we got to keep our baby alive and playing bass and, you know, growing up to be his magnificent self, it was the day that we said, oh, we have to take an unconventional route because this bad thing happened. And that's what God can do. That's what happens with a kingdom that is now and not yet. And that's where our hope comes from. Our hope doesn't come from a place of Jesus saying, get a hashtag blessed sign and put it up in your house and I'll just poof all the monsters away and nothing bad will ever happen to you again. He doesn't say that. It's nowhere in the Bible. He says, when you have trouble, don't be surprised when you have trouble because our world is broken because we have free will and we broke it. And he doesn't tread on that, but he steps in and he can take the broken pieces and he can just shine through them and provide for us and, and care for us. And sometimes the story doesn't go that way. It's not like every baby has survived, you know? Um, but it did this time for us. And I think when we go through dark times and when we go through bright times, God is in all of them. He's in all of those times and he can carry us through all of those times. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And this is such a curious verse. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See that? I'll give you rest. And what does he say next? He doesn't say, come and sit down on my chaise lounge and lie down. He doesn't say, like, here's the easy boy, kick up your feet and watch a football game. He doesn't say, lie down in this bed and have a nap. Here's a cot. Here's a hammock. He says, take up my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we have this combination of rest, but a yoke is a thing that you use to get work done, right? Like that's farm equipment that like you put two oxen in a yoke together, and then they pull a plow, a non-motorized plow, because, you know, this is agriculture from a long time ago, and they pull the plow and it turns over the earth, and that's what lets you sow in the seeds and then the things grow, right? Jesus says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I think this is so important for us to understand as we experience our broken world and frustrations in the world is that Jesus doesn't invite us into rest and say, I'll go do everything. <laughs> I'll take care of everything and you're just on easy street now that you're saved. The rest that Jesus invites us into is actually the work required in the world that we have. He'll come close and work alongside us. And he'll do the heavy lifting in a world of burdens, a world of our own creation, burdens of our own making, right? I, I heard such an interesting definition of 
neuroticism the other day. It said neurotic people are people who suffer more than they need to and more than is effective. You know, like if my arm got chopped off, I would be very worried and I would be suffering and like, please get me to the hospital right away. But if I have a broken fingernail and I'm worried that you noticed during this sermon and I freak out about that for the next week, like that is not productive suffering. That's not necessary suffering, right? That would be me being neurotic. I think that Jesus just, he brings us back from this place where we don't have to, he just, he just comes into all of the necessary suffering that we have in the world and he bears it alongside us. Why do we farm? Why do we have a yoke? Right? Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, there's a curse. And we have to work hard to be able to feed ourselves, to be able to get the land to produce work. Also, women get cursed. They have pain in childbirth. Jesus didn't make the pain in childbirth go away. He doesn't make the pain of work go away. But he says, come to me and I'll work alongside you. Come to me and I'll be with you when the labor pains start. Come to me and we'll do this together. And that's what our hope is in. This is a slow kingdom that Jesus, uh, that Jesus is bringing because I think he gets us. He knows us. He knows we're real slow to change our minds. He knows sometimes we're slow to respond to his call and his voice. He knows sometimes we make bad choices that end us up further away from him, and he slowly calls us back to like turn around and come back to me. We also experience um, ours as a now and not yet community. I wish I could tell you, like, oh, this church is perfect. <laughs> Show up on Sunday morning and everything will be great. <laughs> you know, like none of us ever make mistakes. So you'll never get your feelings hurt here and we'll always be perfectly supportive. But we're not, right? Like we're still just made up of humans. And we let each other down sometimes. Me and Josh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, we make huge mistakes like on the regular. It's so frustrating. I would love for us just to be able to be like perfect pastors who always knew exactly the right thing to say and who never stuck our foot in our mouth and, and, and who always thought exactly the right things and who always knew every answer to every quandary. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. But we're not that. Um, we're just people. And... Um, and when we have a community that's following Jesus, a big part of our hope, it comes not from us being perfect to one another, but from us committing to one another and for us to remind each other about where our hope comes from. And we sing together some beautifully written songs that are homegrown and we pray together and we bring each other's problems before the Lord. We take care of each other's kids so that, you know, some of us can focus and we'll all take a different turn or we do tech stuff and and art walk is amazing and you know like being a community of hope is we all just try you know we commit to each other and we try and we don't get it perfect but we stay together while we work it out and that's something that we love about this church so much and and is a part of our vision for the church forever i hope we're always um, a now not yet community we can authentically be ourselves but we also remind each other of where our hope comes from and that our hope is real so I just want to close with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do ministry time here in just a minute. And we say it all the time, and it really is true. All of this up till now is just pregame, like, the real big deal part of coming together in church is taking our needs to God. And so maybe while I was talking today, you thought of your own harrowing um, 
adventures or tragedies when things have been really tough. Maybe you're going through one of those right now. Maybe there is a diagnosis or a hurting relationship or some financial instability, something going on at work, and you'd say, man, I really need like a dose of hope from God because I'm really feeling the not yet of the kingdom. And it would be great to be able to remember that the kingdom is now too. And so I want us to um, just take some time to bring those needs before the Lord. And if you're, in, if you're in a place where you'd say like, oh, I'm really experiencing the now of the kingdom. Things are going really well. I think that's God's voice encouraging you to like pray for someone else and, and share what you have. So would you stand? We know the band come and play one more song for us. And let's just take a moment to pray together, kind of to prepare for this time. In fact, I'd really love to do um, a breath prayer. So we'll just take three breaths together. On the inhale, we'll say, God, you are here. And on the exhale, well, I mean, not out loud, just in your mind. And on the exhale, we'll say, and I am with you. So let's just become aware of the Lord's presence. Breathe in. God, you are here. And I am with you. God, you are here. And I am with you. God, you are here. And I'm with you. Holy Spirit, come, Lord. Would you speak to us about the things that you want to talk to us about today? Would you bring to mind the places where you want to bring your kingdom? And would you give us everything that we need? Would you help us to hear your voice and know that we are beloved, that we're chosen by you, and that you'll supply all of our needs? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd like prayer, please come to the front. If you'd like to pray for someone and nobody's in the front, you just look around the room and offer to pray for somebody. Um, and let's, uh, let's talk to God about what's going on in our lives right now.